Good evening. Good evening. Uh, good evening. My name is Ben Artis, and I'm privileged enough to uh, be speaking to you tonight on singleness and celibacy. And uh, I couldn't quite work out um, whether, because uh, I, I saw that I was, I was on to preach today on singleness, and I, I couldn't quite work out whether I was asked to preach on it because uh, I was the only single person on the preaching rotor, or if because um, I was most like Jesus in that quality. But uh, no, I actually felt uh, quite overwhelmingly underqualified to preach on this uh, when I saw it, and it, I sort of it was the first time I'd looked at what I was preaching on and had seriously considered actually asking for a swap. Uh, but actually, as I thought about it more, I started to realise I've got no real actual idea of what the Bible really says on singleness. Um, and what I really had was uh, the sort of the Christian culture around me uh, that had sort of formed my views and opinions, which were... Um, quite underdeveloped and so I started to think about it and, and work it through in my head and I thought well I may as well actually just preach on this now uh, and do the research uh, and to give you a bit of an idea of where I'm coming from sorry I'm just going to move this up a bit to give you an idea of where I'm coming from uh, I'm uh, 22 I'm not married, I'm single and have been the whole of my adult life um, I've had a few romantic relationships, which unfortunately didn't work out. Uh, And I've always assumed at some point that I would get married, Um, just because that's what uh, people generally do uh, in the the mainstream. Everyone has their own story, and uh, people approach singleness with different ideas and different feelings about it. I've known uh, Christian guys that are just never without a girlfriend. Uh, They kind of go through relationships incredibly fast, getting increasingly hurt, desperate to find that uh, girl that they're going to get married to. I've also known Christians who have not really been bothered about it until they hit about 34-ish. And then they start to sort of think about whether that might be for them. And I've also known those who um, were married and have become uh, single again not by their own choice sometimes. And, and so it's a sensitive issue. It's by no means straightforward. And I'm going to do my best uh, in this session to see what God's word uh, says about it and to try and apply that to uh, our lives and the, and the church that, that we uh, worship as part of. The church and the wider society are full of single people, and, and we need a healthy view on singleness, on what the Bible says about it, on what Jesus thinks of it, uh, and what he thinks of singleness and celibacy. And I think working that out will be a fresh, uh, a fresh breath of air. I read about one woman who said that she finds it so rude when she gets sympathetically asked, uh, how's your love life? That she immediately wants to ask, how's your sex life? Uh, and Christian singles face a mass of varying pressures uh, and approaches to, uh, to their singleness from people around them, sometimes from themselves. Maybe they've started their career and they think, well, I've got a career now. I should probably think about getting married. Uh, from siblings, who, siblings starting to get married, uh, friends starting to get married, um, and pressure starts to just build up. 
And those questions start to be raised and all sorts of questions come into, into people's heads. Uh, parents can sometimes treat their single uh, children differently to their married children. I've heard a few stories of that, although I myself have never struggled because uh, while I get sort of fun motorbike presents, my brother was bought his car's tax disc last year and he's, he's married, so yeah, I do all right there. Uh, but the, the underlying message seems to be that you're not complete until you get a spouse. I think that's what singles can sometimes feel from this pressure. You're not complete until you get a spouse. And we're all kind of wondering when that will happen. And so Christian singles can have a bit of a rough time. And I want to try and find a, a, a biblical, godly view of singleness that moves beyond the traditional expectations and stereotypes. So please turn with me to that end, to 1 Corinthians 7, verse 7, which is on page 1148 of the Church Bibles. It's actually quite a difficult section uh, of a very contextual letter uh, to the Corinthians. It's not purely about singleness, although there's lots to be said um, from Paul in this, in this chapter on that matter. Uh, it's a response by Paul to the believers in Corinth. Uh, the chapter starts um, right at the beginning of 7, now for the matters you wrote about. He's responding to them on something. Uh, and it's obvious that there are some fairly heavy issues present. Uh, in verse 2, he says, uh, but since there is so much immorality, and in verse 26, a little further on, uh, he's talking, he says, because of the present crisis. Some pretty heavy issues going on. Um, there's debate about what that crisis might be um, from my study. I'm not sure anyone's entirely certain uh, what that is. But certainly in this chapter, he's concerned about marriage uh, and he's concerned with singleness and celibacy. Sex is also a big theme. And he's, he's, he's addressing generally in all these different stages the issue of contentment where people are. But yeah, it's very difficult. And yeah, it is the most popular text on singleness uh, in the Bible. Everything I look on Google and I just sort of typed in Christian singleness, 1 Corinthians 7, 1 Corinthians 7, everything, verse 7. Um, it's the most popular and main text on singleness. Uh, and verse 7 is probably uh, the most influential verse, I would say, on the, on the general thought on singleness and what that is. I wish, it says, that all men were as I am, but each man has his own gift from God. One has this gift, another has that. I wish that all men were as I am, which is to say that he was celibate, but each man has his own gift from God. One has this gift, another has that. And this word, uh, gift, I think, is the tricky word uh, in what Paul is saying here. Uh, its interpretation has contributed to, and, and might even go as far as to say it's been the, uh, the kind of foundational pillar, uh, or one of them, of the traditional view of, of singleness, of celibacy. Uh, Christian singles can often try and work out whether, because of this verse, whether that's, whether that's my gift, whether God, God has given me that as a gift, and whether, therefore, that's my call, which is, of course, subjective. It's very difficult. It can depend on feelings. Um, 
And this is all, it's also kind of sometimes led to a two-tier view of singleness. Well, we've got sort of uh, some who are gifted to be single and therefore kind of spiritually higher. They've got kind of a purpose about that. And then others who just haven't really managed to find a partner yet. And, you know, singles, you know, which category am I in? Uh, it's also led to some to minimize the reality of temptation as a single. Uh, in the kind of view that, well, if you're kind of gifted in it, then God must have sort of set you up for that. So you probably um, might be all right in that area, which is, I think, dangerous. What is this gift that Paul is talking about? What does he mean by that word gift? I think that's the central question um, to, just to get ourselves started on this. And I'm going to maneuver into some tricky ground now. Uh, I'm going to preach the text as I read it, uh, but not everyone reads it the same as me, and not everyone will agree with me on this. I think that the problem here has been that the text has uh, been mixed up, uh, especially this verse, with 1 Corinthians 12, very close together in the same letter. And in 1 Corinthians 12, Paul is talking about spiritual gifts, gifts of the Spirit. The word, the word for gift in, the, uh, in the, the original language Greek, which, which Paul wrote this in, is the same in both chapters. In, in here it's, it's charis, charisma, and he says uh, in both chapters he uses that same word, which has led people to believe, well, he's, he's talking about the same thing, the gift of singleness as a spiritual gift in the same way as those gifts in 1 Corinthians 12 are spiritual gifts, gifts with a function um, for building up the church, uh, gifts that have a task about them and, and, and gifts which are kind of uh, used to equip people for that. And so singleness has been interpreted as a, a spiritual gift in, 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 in one view uh, from this. I think there are some issues with that. Uh, the problem that, that I see is that actually in 1 Corinthians 12... Uh, it starts off with, um, now, about spiritual gifts. That's how it starts. As if Paul is, is kind of starting the discussion there on spiritual gifts. Um, he then goes on in 1 Corinthians 12, in the, in the first section of it, to explicitly and very tightly link them to the work of the Spirit, to, to one gift by the same Spirit, to another by the manifestation of that same Spirit. Each gift, it seems, he talks about with a very tight link to the, to the Spirit, and what the Spirit is up to with that gift. But that language uh, isn't really there at all in chapter 7, especially not around singleness and celibacy. And so what do we do with this, this word, this same word, uh, charisma, that is used in both? Uh, that I've seen loads of things that argue, well, it's the same word, so they must be the same, the same sort of deal here. Uh, but in Romans 6.23... Paul says, uh, the free gift of God, you might recognize it, the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And so that word gift crops up again, and this time it, that, it has no real risk of being associated with a spiritual gift. Uh, a spiritual gift is, is that function, that task for building up the body that we are given. The free gift of God, eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. It's, it's the gift of, of what Christ has done for us because he wants us to 
be with him forever. And so it's got no real risk of being mixed up with the 1 Corinthians 12 list. But Paul uses that same word for that gift. He uses that word charisma. One, the spiritual gift, is a manifestation of the spirit. And the other is, is a manifestation, well, it's, it's hard to, to completely distinct them, but God's gift in eternal life is a manifestation of his grace to us. And I think the same is true of these gifts, uh, this gift of singleness. And notably, he says, I wish that all men were as I am, but each man has his own gift from God. One has this gift, and one has that gift. And so there's more than one gift. And what Paul is saying is singleness and marriage, both gifts from God. And Jonathan talked on on marriage last week uh, as as absolutely as a gift from God. And, And Paul completely affirms that. Marriage, yes, a gift from God, and singleness equally as valid a gift from God. Not in the same sense as 1 Corinthians 12, but in the sense that it's a manifestation, it's, it's a gracious, loving gift from God, and he affirms them equally as great things, as gracious gifts. So there's no subjective working out whether, whether if, if I'm single, whether I've got the gift. Uh, if you're single, then you have a gift in that. If you're married, you have a gift in that. Some people swap out their gift of singleness for the gift of marriage, and that's brilliant. Some people swap back, not by their own choice sometimes. But Paul says that they're both good. He affirms them both. There's no two tiers of singleness. We're in the same boat. And so we can also avoid uh, seeing a healthy self-identity in Christ as a kind of superpower gift of supreme singleness. For some, uh, being single long-term is right. Uh, and we, we normally call that celibacy. Long-term, saying I'm going to be single and, uh, and not marry. And for some, that is, that is the right path. That's absolutely what God calls them to. And Paul gives us loads of reasons why that's a great thing. Uh, in, verse, uh, in verses 25 to 35... He addresses the, the Corinthians with this mysterious kind of present crisis in mind. Um, and it is very contextual, so I'll be hesitant about straightforwardly applying everything uh, here to us now. Uh, he, Paul himself, is very clear on that in verse 25. He says, I have no command from the Lord. Uh, it's not kind of black and white, easy to understand instruction sheet. Here you go, you can work from that. Uh, he says, um, it's, it's trustworthy Uh, what does he say? But I give judgment as one who by the Lord's mercy is trustworthy. It's trustworthy advice, but we're going to have to work to um, apply it and work out what it means for us in the 21st century in all of our different situations. But his argument for the Corinthian Christians uh, is essentially to say, stay in whatever situation you're in. Uh, If you're married, stay married. If If you're single, stay single. Um, with, the, with this present crisis in mind, with all that's going on in Corinth, wh- whatever, wherever you're at, stay there for the time being. But if you don't do that and you get, do get married, then you've not done anything wrong in that, he says. Uh, so it, it's kind of quite, it can be quite hard to understand. 
exactly what's going on. Uh, But then he does say at the end of verse 28 that he would like to spare them the troubles that marriage presents in this life. Slightly bizarre. But those who marry will face many troubles in this this life, and I want to spare you this. Uh, And I kind of, this is sort of eggshell territory for me, um, uh, but I'll do my best. I think the reason... Uh, that he says, he goes on to explain that. Um, why, why is he saying this? And of course, we'll all kind of recognize that marriage isn't a sort of easy, blissful journey to, to supreme happiness. Uh, it, is a, it is a great gift from God, but it's not easy. It is difficult, and it does present troubles to us. Uh, but why is Paul talking about this? Uh, He goes on to say in verse 29, what I mean, brothers, is that time is short. Time is short. Life is short. And then at the end of that, in verse 31, for this world in its present form is passing away. Jesus is going to usher in a new creation. He's going to renew all things and bring in the new heavens and the new earth. And all of this... Paul says, is passing away. Time is short. And, and in, the, in this new, the new heavens and the new earth, Jesus says in Matthew twenty two thirty, 30, we won't, actually, we won't have marriage, we won't be given in marriage, um, or people won't be married. Um, but marriage is a great gift for now. And I think what Paul is saying is that it's not, it's not the end goal of this life. It's not the absolute thing that we should all uh, attain to and try and get. It's not in a sense, it's not to be idolized. Um, it's, it's, not, uh, it's brilliant, but it's not to be idolized. And so, and he's, it's not just actually marriage that he's talking about here. He says he, he, material things as well. For those, for those who use the things of this world, in verse 31, uh, as if not engrossed in them. And I think that, that's the message. Don't get engrossed in this idea of marriage. Don't let it start to really take up uh, your mind and, and give too much sort of attention to it so that it becomes a real um, issue. Uh, at the beginning of the Bible, there's a marriage. At the end of the Bible, there's a marriage. And in the beginning, we have Song of Songs. It's full of it, and it's great. But no one and nothing deserves our worship except the Lord Jesus. And I think it's kind of important here to recognize that singleness long-term, celibacy, is, is not the norm. Uh, Jonathan preached last week on Genesis 2, uh, where man and woman are, are married as, as kind of what God sets up in creation. That's, that is the norm in Genesis 2. Uh, but the second Adam, God, came down to earth in, in Jesus Christ and lived a celibate life, full of meaning and purpose, full of companionship. Uh, and ultimately achieving uh, life in all its fullness for us and bringing great glory to God. And so it's not the norm, it's not for everyone, but it is an entirely valid uh, gift from God and a way that he does call some people to live. Uh, So verse 32, thinking about the single life for a moment and what Paul means by all of this. Uh, there was a bloke called Francis Bacon 
who said that, and I, I, I found this quote quite funny when I first read it. He says, He that has wife and children hath given hostages to fortune, for they are impediments to great enterprises, either of virtue or mischief. Certainly the best works and of greatest merit for the public have proceeded from the unmarried or childless, which both in affection and means have married and endowed the public. Uh, I don't know what you think about that. Uh, The best things come from the childless. But I find it quite interesting. And I think the point that Paul is making in verse 32 to 35 uh, it is kind of clearly that an, an unmarried person is free to concentrate their efforts uh, and their life on the, on the Lord's work. And they have undivided interests. They don't uh, have a wife or husband and children to consider, to think about, taking up uh, time and emotional energy and, and love. They, they have undivided interests. Uh, John Stott Uh, a a minister who had a worldwide ministry for over half a century uh, and was celibate for all of it until the day that he died. Uh, He he reflected on on celibacy in an interview that I read, uh, which I found really interesting. He didn't expect to be celibate for the whole of his life at all. Uh, Throughout his 20s and early 30s, he waited for someone to come along and he had a couple of relationships, neither that worked out or that he felt was right. And as he got more and more into his 30s, he figured that maybe there there was a calling on his life uh, to be celibate long term. And looking back on all the books that he'd written, this interview was when he was quite old, looking back on all the books that he'd written, all the countries that he's been to, the intense ministry that he had, he kind of recognized there's there's no way that I could have done that with a commitment to family and children. Uh, Mike Pellavacci, another great speaker and evangelist, uh, who's in his 50s now, and he's celibate. He recognizes the same thing. Uh, he gets to spend uh, a large, a significant part of his year ministering in Australia. He's been best man at 19 weddings, and he's got tons of godchildren. Things that he says, I could never have done if I wasn't celibate. I could have never made all those different relationships and invested so much in them. I could never have had all this time for all these great godchildren. I could, I could never have had the time and the, to, to travel and, and do what I do. And, and Paul makes that point. There's, there's a very valid celibate life that can really work undividedly uh, to minister for Jesus um, and to have a different kind of lifestyle um, to marriage, but an equally uh, gifted one. They can full, fully concentrate the celibate person on, on what they want to focus their energy into. And, and so he says, it's good. It's good to stay as celibate if that's, uh, if that's what God calls you to. I think to, to finish... Uh, I know I haven't covered uh, lots and lots of the different bases tonight about different issues maybe that affect singleness, um, but I have tried to work out exactly what that is in the Bible, a, a gift from God, a gracious gift equal to marriage that is valid, that not everyone will be called to long-term, but is a fantastic opportunity long-term and a great life. And what has really stayed with me, actually, is what I, I heard Mike Pilavachi. Um, say about in his journey realizing 
that he was called to celibacy. And he, spent, he, he said, I spent years viewing celibacy, because uh, he, he was the same, he, he kind of grew up through his life and, uh, wondering when uh, he, the, the right girl was going to come along and what was gonna, um, when that was going to be and what was she, what she was going to be like. And, he, and as that kind of didn't happen for him, um, for various reasons, he, spent, he, he said, I spent ages viewing celibacy and singleness as a curse, not a gift. And it was only when I really learned uh, to embrace that that I realized what a gift it was, what opportunities that would, that would give me, what God wanted to do in my life through that. And I think I want to come back finally to, to, to what Paul said um, from verse 29 to 31, that this, this world is passing away. Time is short. And, and the, the, the options that we have, really, around this subject of whether we're going to get engrossed in and, and, and really het up about, as, as a single person, about marriage, about when it will happen, about what that's going to be, about who I'll marry and, and when that will be, and kind of, you know, I'd like that to hurry up a bit, and, and just getting engrossed by that. Um, or maybe as a married person, thinking about... Um, a little bit too fondly about the single life that you, you maybe used to have. But actually, where are we and what have we got? Um, what has God given us at this particular point in our lives? And what opportunities does, does that present? Um, what might God want to do in uh, where we are? And fundamentally, how can we learn contentment in that? Uh, and also, uh, see that as God sees that. Sees, um, see the opportunities that we have in that. If we're married, see what we're called to do in that. But if we're single, what, what opportunities do we have? How can we use that to, to serve the Lord, um, to be available for Jesus and for his good work, to, to try and glorify him undividedly? Uh, what can we do with that? How can we not get engrossed by the things of this world that that we kind of feel we should attain to. But how can we embrace the gift um, of either singleness or marriage where we are? Because this world is passing away. It's not forever. Forever is eternal life uh, with Jesus Christ, neither as single or married, you know, as in new bodies um, with perfect relationships. So dwell on what he's given you, how you can enjoy that, how can you enjoy him, and how you can glorify him in that And I'll just pray to finish. Lord God, it's not an easy uh, subject to think about uh, relationships, marriage, singleness, where we're at, how to have contentment in that, how to be focused on you. But I pray that you would help us to to come to understand where we're at uh, more as how you see it uh, and embrace, if we're single, singleness as a gift, maybe for the time being, maybe for long term. Help us to, uh, to have an understanding of where other people are at and love them in that and see that as valid, see that as um, where you would want them to be and give us grace and uh, give us a desire to serve you in all things. Amen.